Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and he put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Well, good morning. Do keep that passage open. Um, there's a bit of space on the back of the green service sheet if, uh, if taking notes is something that helps you. But we're going to be looking at this account together. Uh, I'm going to pray for the Lord's help as we come to look at it. So let's pray. Our Lord God, as we come to your word now, we pray that your word would be our guide, your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and your glory, our supreme concern. In Jesus' name, amen. Where do I belong? Now, I know what you're thinking this morning, anywhere with central heating, But where do I belong? Who do I belong to? It's a question that is more significant today, perhaps, than it's ever been. 
Uh, A hundred years ago, it would have been relatively easy for people to answer this question. Uh, Most people uh, would have been born and lived their whole life uh, within a single community. And um, uh, they would have uh, been very likely, in most cases, to do the same or a similar job to the one that their parents did. And so to answer the question, where do I belong, who do I belong to, would have been a fairly straightforward question. Uh, By contrast, today we live in an era with great uh, mobility. On average, around 3 million people in the UK move to a new area every year. And uh, an era of great social mobility. Uh, The number of jobs that are available to uh, your average graduate at the moment um, are um, enormous in comparison to what our great-grandparents might have enjoyed 100 years ago. And um, there's much that's good about that, but we do live in an age where there is great anxiety over that question. Where do I belong? Who do I belong to? Uh, Increasingly, we're encouraged to find our sense of belonging and identity in the products that we buy. So I don't just uh, own an Apple computer. Apparently, I'm part of the Apple family. And uh, it might be our politics or the sports team that we follow or our social media profile, but there are all sorts of things in the modern world we're encouraged to look to to find our sense of belonging. Who do I belong to? And I wonder this morning, who do you belong to? It might be that you're here and you remember a time when you felt that you belonged deep inside, but that time has passed and you long to feel like you belong somewhere. Or maybe you're here this morning and you, you say, yes, I, I do feel that I belong with some person or some group, but um, there's that anxiety as you wake up in the morning that um, maybe today they'll realise that I don't actually fit. Uh, maybe today will be the day they realise I'm a fraud and I don't belong anymore. And many people feel that anxiety. Maybe there's a particular person or a particular group and you long to belong to them you just wish that they would point to you and say he belongs to me she belongs to me we all long to belong and the bible has a great deal to say about this issue of belonging it says that every christian belongs to jesus christ and to his people the church and the reason for that is the concept the biblical concept of redemption Uh, Redemption is going to be the theme that will dominate the next two chapters of Ruth, chapters three and four. And let me give you a definition as we start of redemption. Uh, Redemption is deliverance or freedom from some evil by the payment of a price. Deliverance or freedom from some evil by the payment of a price. So for example, in the Old Testament, if someone got into enormous debt and they couldn't pay off the debt, a member of the family would redeem them. They would pay the debt for them to set them free from it. Redemption. And um, uh, in the case of Ruth and Naomi, if you've been following the story uh, with us, the great problem that they face, the great evil for them, is really one to do with belonging in the land of God's promise. So in chapter one, we saw Naomi and her family move away from the land to Moab, a foreign country, and while they're there, tragedy strikes. Naomi's husband and her two sons die, and Naomi returns to the land 
with nobody apart from her daughter-in-law, a Moabite woman, Ruth. Uh, She's alone, and crucially, she has no one to inherit the family land within the place of God's promise. Uh, Now, this was a disaster during this period. To lose connection with the family land was to lose connection with God's promise, to lose the family honor and name, to have no future, no security, no belonging among God's people. And with no husband, no sons, Naomi is in this position of disaster. Now again, God's word comes to the rescue, and it comes to the rescue with the doctrine of redemption. Deuteronomy 25 specified that a male member of the family could redeem um, a woman in this situation. So um, a male member of the family would um, marry the widow and um, bring up a child in the name of the deceased, and so that family wouldn't lose their place in the promised land. Um, it's called the, uh, the leveret law, and that's a fancy Latin word for brother-in-law, apparently. I don't know any Latin, but there you are. Um, a male member of the family would be a kinsman redeemer. And we've been introduced to the kinsman redeemer in Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. His name is Boaz. But all of this... As we get into the details of this ancient custom, redemption in the book of Ruth, it points us forward and prepares the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, who the New Testament tells us would redeem his people from slavery to our sin and its penalty by paying the price of his life on the cross. And so Ruth 3 and 4 are all about redemption, And um, the questions that they're really going to raise for us are, what will it take for Boaz to redeem these two women, Naomi and Ruth? Uh, What will Ruth and Naomi need to do? And we're going to see that they reach out in faith. And what will it cost Boaz to redeem them? Uh, Now, this morning, as we look at Ruth 3, we will spend most of our time thinking about how Ruth and Naomi reach out in faith. But we'll spend just our last few minutes thinking about the goodness of God's Redeemer and um, the the cost he has to pay. But that's really going to be setting us up for Ruth chapter 4. So then, faith in God's Redeemer. Have a look at chapter 3 verse 1 with me. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Uh, Naomi's plotting, and you'll notice in, um, uh, in that verse the footnote um, on the word home uh, to say, um, more literally, it means find rest. Uh, rest, that great Old Testament word for, for belonging in the land of God's promise, for security and inheritance. And Naomi says, I have a plan to find you the rest that you need. What is the plan? Well, verse two, is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you've been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight, he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. 
When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down. He will tell you what to do. (laughs) Now, I don't know what you make of this plan of Naomi's. Go to his place of work in the middle of the night when he's asleep, uncover his feet, and then lie there and wait for him to wake up. To our ears, it sounds strange, doesn't it? And um, it's hard to know how to interpret it. The Bible doesn't anywhere else talk about this custom. Um, Some see it very negatively. Um, Others see it more positively. Um, I noticed someone had put on Facebook, uh, this is one for the ladies, findyourboaz.com. And, um, and see this passage really as an example of sort of Christian dating. And um, I, I'm not sure we want to go there. Um, I'm not sure we want to see it that positively. It's, it's ambiguous, this plan, isn't it? But it's risky. I mean, it is a risky plan. And the narrator, the narrator doesn't comment on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that Naomi does here. And the Bible's full of real people, and this is an account of what they did. Not necessarily an example of something good or bad to do, that's not the point. But what we do see in Naomi's plan is tremendous confidence in God's Redeemer. And that's the first aspect of faith that we see in this story, confidence in the character of God's Redeemer. Because it is a risky plan, isn't it? Ruth is a foreign woman and she's being told, wait till nightfall when it's dangerous and dark and go to the threshing floor, this place full of laboring men who've been working all through the harvest, who've been celebrating together, and wait till the middle of the night and then lie down with this wealthy and powerful man and see what he says. It's a risky plan. And even more so because we've been told at the beginning of um, the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1, that this is in the days when the judges ruled. Now, um, I don't know if you've read the book of Judges, but I think it'd be fair to say that men do not act in a particularly godly way in the book. A friend of mine said he thinks the theme song for the book of Judges should be, Where Have All the Good Men Gone?, and, um, and that's probably right. It's a time rife with abuse and sexual violence. And so here is a foreign woman going to a powerful man in the middle of the night. If Boaz abuses her, well, nothing's going to happen to Boaz. You know, it's a risky plan that Naomi has here. She banks everything on the goodness of this redeemer, of Boaz. She banks everything on her confidence in his character. She says to Ruth that this is a plan that will bring her rest. She says, go there and he will tell you what to do. <clears throat> what to do. She's, she's banking everything on his character. Now look, when I talk to people about the Christian faith, often they are asking the question, um, is it true? Uh, And what are the facts? What's the information? But often deeper than that, uh, and behind that, the question they're really asking is, is it good for me? Jesus Christ, this redeemer you say God has promised, is he good for me? And that's the real question here. Naomi's faith is trust that the redeemer is good. Uh, This is um, an issue for Christians every day. 
When I'm tempted to, um, when I'm tempted not to speak about my faith in Jesus because I want to fit in with a particular group of people, I, I want to find belonging with them. The real question is, deep down, do I think that Jesus, my Redeemer, is good, good for me, good for them? Here is faith that is confidence in the goodness of the Redeemer God's provided them with. Uh, But then secondly, we see that faith is claiming God's promise. Uh, Look down at verse 5 with me. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, note, we'll, we'll read this carefully. It doesn't say he was drunk. It says he was happy. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached, approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. And I wonder how you think Ruth was feeling at this moment. Um, It's dark, not sort of city centre dark dark with street lights, sort of out in the countryside in the peaks, pitch black dark. And she's listening to the faint sound of Boaz breathing and waiting for him to wake up. Verse 8, in the middle of the night... Something startled the man. It's almost comical, isn't it? And he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. And listen to the question that he asks. Verse 9, who are you? Who are you? It's the question of belonging, the question of identity. That's at the heart of this chapter And look at Ruth's answer. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing to say. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you're a kinsman redeemer. Do you see what Ruth is doing here? She's asking Boaz to marry her. In the Old Testament, that expression, spread the corner of your garment over me, is a, uh, an expression for marriage. Uh, Ezekiel 16, the Lord looks at the people of Israel and compares them to a bride and says, I'm going to marry them. I'm going to spread the corner of my garment over them. Uh, back in chapter two, Boaz has prayed, may the Lord spread his wings over you and protect you, Ruth. Uh, and here is Ruth in the sort of ancient world equivalent of being down on one knee saying, God's promised that you're going to do it. Will you marry me? Faith claims God's promise. What do I mean by that? Well, we need to feel the shock of what Ruth is doing here in verse 9. This is a woman proposing to a man, which is unusual today, but unheard of in the ancient world. But not only that, this is a younger person proposing to an older one, a foreigner proposing to a native Israelite, and a beggar from the field proposing to a wealthy landowner. I mean, the boldness of what Ruth says here is outrageous, frankly. Here is Ruth, who has nothing, down on one knee saying, will you marry me? 
It's always a, a, an entertaining thing when um, you talk to parents about their children's boyfriend or girlfriend. And um, maybe some of you have had this experience. It's an awkward thing when parents don't really approve of the girlfriend or boyfriend. Uh, I think of uh, an American pastor who, in a very sort of vividly American way, said, look, I have a very simple thing that I say when my um, daughter brings boyfriends home. I sit them down and I say, son, I have a shotgun and a shovel and no one will miss you. And they, they tend to treat her quite well after that. But it is an awkward thing when, when parents disapprove of the partner. And what are Boaz's family? What will the look on their faces be as he brings home this beggar girl from the field? Oh, she, um, she proposed to me in the middle of the night. I mean, it's outrageous, isn't it? Um, Ruth has nothing, and she comes to Boaz and asks him to marry her. She, she has nothing to offer except except that God has promised that in his land there will be a redeemer and Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. God in his word has said that there will be one who will provide an heir, who will provide belonging in the land, who will give them rest and Boaz fits the bill. And so here is a woman who comes in faith and claims the promise of God. She has nothing apart from the promise, and so she claims it. Look, if you, um, if you think that um, you can have a relationship with God on the basis of being um, a good person, a moral or spiritual person, the sort of person God would welcome, um, you will never really feel that you belong to him. Because when we look at ourselves in the mirror, in the morning, in the moments of honesty... We know that we're not good enough to be welcomed by a perfect God on our own merits. And we know what it is to feel guilt and shame. But God has promised a redeemer for people from every nation, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who said, I did not come to serve, but I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom, a redemption for many. Faith um, comes with boldness because it's claiming God's promise that the Redeemer will forgive us and welcome us, that he'll deliver us, though we don't deserve it. If we come to the Redeemer, then we can be certain of belonging and welcome. Uh, Faith is confidence in the Redeemer's character. It's claiming the promise, but we also see that it is a costly commitment in this story Have a look at verse 10 with me. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do all that you ask. Now, I've got a confession this morning, which is that I don't think until this week I ever really understood verse 10 of this passage. Because I always thought that Boaz was talking about Ruth's kindness to him. You know, here is um, a middle-aged bachelor, and um, he's saying to Ruth, thank you so much that you didn't go after any of the sort of handsome, young, sort of pole-dark lookalikes who work for me. And instead, you you came and took pity on a middle-aged man like me. 
how kind of you. But actually, just have a look at what he says, because that's, that's not what he says. Verse 10, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. Well, who has um, Ruth been kind to already in the story? Not Boaz, Naomi. The thing that impresses Boaz is Ruth's costly commitment to Naomi. Uh, Back in Ruth chapter 1 verse 9, she pleaded with the two daughters-in-law, go back to Moab and find rest. Find a home with a husband from the country that you came from. And Orpah went back, but Ruth clung to Naomi. Uh, She trusted God's promise about his land, and she went back with her mother-in-law at great cost. Humanly speaking, it seemed like she'd never have a family never have a husband if she went to the land of Israel. But once she was there, she didn't sort herself out. She didn't find herself um, a, a young man who would um, provide her with a, a family and a home. But she went with this, this remarkable and risky and, well, ridiculous plan of Naomi's to go after the Redeemer. Um, here is great kindness at great cost, a costly commitment that she's willing to take God at his word and go to the Redeemer rather than sorting herself out and making a pragmatic decision. Faith in God's Redeemer will always be a costly commitment. I think of a friend who um, became a Christian um, while we were students. And within the first few months of being a Christian, uh, he broke up with his girlfriend... Uh, She wasn't a Christian and was quite hostile to the um, change he'd made by coming to Jesus. Uh, He had to move out of the home that they shared together. It was costly for him to trust the Redeemer God's provided for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. It cost him, and it will cost us to take God at his word and trust his Redeemer. It'll cost us financially to believe that it's more blessed to give than receive. It will cost us when we lose out reputationally in this life for standing with Jesus on issues the culture differs from him on. But boy, is it worth it. Here in Ruth chapter three, we see that um, the faith in God's redeemer, well, it's, it's greeted by the goodness of God's redeemer. Uh, Just notice in the second half of the story, the sheer goodness of Boaz. Verse 11, now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. Here is a a redeemer. When um, someone comes in faith and claims the promise, here is a redeemer who is willing. Here is a redeemer who will pay a great cost, as we'll see as the story goes on. Uh, Notice in verse 11, he calls um, Ruth a woman of noble character. Uh, That's the sort of um, female equivalent of a man of standing that we've learned that Boaz is in chapter 2, verse 1. So so we know they're a good match for one another anyway, but he is willing. Uh, Twice, he calls himself a kinsman redeemer, so he understands the cost of what he's going to do. And um, yes, he introduces a problem. You see, verse 12, although it's true I'm near of kin, there's a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. So there is a problem, 
And we're going to um, unpack that problem next week as we look at chapter four. But notice how the goodness of this redeemer is underlined. One commentator puts it like this. Boaz is not even willing to usurp another man's right to act responsibly. See, he's not willing to redeem unless it's right that he does. But verse 13, if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. The determined goodness of this redeemer. Uh, Ruth put herself at great risk by trusting in Boaz, risk of abuse, and yet she's vindicated by the goodness of this redeemer. And notice, he's concerned for her safety. Verse 13, stay here for the night. You know, it's dangerous to go out into the night, so she's to stay. Um, He's concerned for her reputation. Verse 14, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Uh, The the writer goes out of his way to tell us that nothing untoward happened in this scene and Boaz wants it to be certain that no one can impugn her reputation. He's full of generosity to her. Verse 15, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her and then went back to town. See, the opening of the story was ambiguous, wasn't it? It could have ended in a complete car crash when Naomi sent Ruth there in the middle of the night. But the storyteller shows us that it didn't because of the goodness of the Redeemer. Ruth went in faith and the Redeemer was willing to respond. But of course the story doesn't end there, does it? Verse 16, she goes back to her mother-in-law in this lovely final scene and Naomi asks, verse 16, how did it go, my daughter? Or, or some um, more literal translations have, um, who are you? It's that question of identity, of belonging again. And we get two details in the answer. Uh, firstly, verse 17, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law Empty, empty handed. Now here is Naomi who came back um, to the land of Israel saying that I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. And here the Redeemer is going to fill her up, to fulfill her, to bring this belonging and security that she longs for. This is the first fruits of a great filling here in verse 17. But then, verse 18, Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. We're on pause here for chapter four. Why? For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. See, here is a redeemer who will not rest until he's brought rest to his people. Uh, He's going to pay a price to buy this family out of its troubles and to bring them belonging. Uh, He's not going to sit around. He is going to um, make great efforts to rescue them. And he points us forward to an even greater redeemer. Look, in, um, in the age that we live in, there are lots of good things that you can look to for belonging. Uh, We saw a good number of them on the um, the video of Up at the start. 
Uh, there's, um, th- there's career that we're encouraged to identify ourselves by and belong to. There's the products we buy and um, the social media profiles and the sports team and the politics and all the rest of it. But when it comes down to it, all of those things that give us a sense of belonging, they cost us a great deal in time and energy and effort. And they don't last they don't give us an enduring belonging. They give us a constant, constant anxiety about whether we really belong. You know, even the best career will only last until you retire. And even the best of this world will only last until the day that we die and we can't take it with us. And yet God has provided us with a redeemer who would not rest until he provided security and belonging for his people that's eternal. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said, come to me all who are re- weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And he went to a cross and paid with his life to rescue us, to redeem us. Now in Ruth 4, we're going to see more of the cost that Boaz paid But as we close, just notice that these two women had a plan to trust in God's Redeemer. And he was good. A good Redeemer. What assurance. Let me pray. Our Lord God, we thank you for the goodness of the Redeemer Boaz you provided for this family and the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, you have provided for us. We pray that you might grant us this faith that is confident in his goodness and willing to claim his promises, a faith that is a costly commitment. In Jesus' name, amen.